One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast. John Coon Podcast starring the icon, the former Packers Pro Bowl, All-Pro star fullback. Now what are you? You don't even want to go up the stairs. What? I, I followed you up <laughs> Was the that steps. A secret? I followed you up the steps. <laughs> Can't, don't even want to follow the fat sports writer up the steps but if you to have record a pass, our podcast. If you have a pass for the elevator, why are you, why are you taking Yeah, I don't steps? have one, so I should have taken advantage. You yes, had one. You, this yeah. was your one chance to ride in an elevator, and you didn't do it. <laughs> you know, on the tour at Lambeau I think that's Field, a miss. They, tell, uh, they, they, they call it the slowest elevator in the world. How many tours have you taken here at Lambeau I, I don't. I haven't taken any. Well, how do you know they say that? Because they go by my office all day. They law on oh, you eavesdrop on them. Yeah, and they sneak in and take pictures of my office, and then it becomes a whole thing. Oh, uh, I wanted to bring the Bill Jarts baseball card next week. Uh, okay, we're gonna keep doing this. What is it? What is this now? Show four? Yep. Yeah, you said you were counting them to a hundred. I can't believe we made it to four. Um, so it, it, we are recording this on Thursday, which is Halloween. And we are going, this is going to be like a four-minute podcast, right? Because we want to get home for all our kids going trick-or-treating. Yeah, I've already prepared them that I would be a touch late on the, uh, well, can I ask, why does Halloween start at four o'clock in Wisconsin? Well, tell us what your previous experience has been with Halloween. Dusk. Dusk. And well, because four of, o'clock is pretty well, close to dusk. Well, no, daylight. <laughs> right no, it doesn't get dark here until six. So I mean, yeah. you know, it's a little early. Normally, you you go out at dusk so you can get the element of fear and the element of excitement. But I guess it's so darn cold. This is the coldest Halloween I've ever experienced. That's it's for sure. It snowed today, John. It snowed today and two days ago. It's yeah. Why do we have snow already? Why do you live here? Like you're a very <laughs> successful guy. I mean, I know why I'm still here. What about you? I'm crazy. Yeah, you're, I'm crazy. you're well. You're also very beloved here. That's also part of it. So, are you? Are you the? Because Paula and I split the responsibilities. Do you stay home and give out candy, or are you going out against the elements with the kids to trick or treat with? So them? we don't get a whole lot of people by our house. So we put out a small bucket, and I don't even think any. It, they don't even. Normally, when you set out a small bucket, you're just preparing to come home to an empty bucket because right. at least After somebody kids. at least somebody shows up takes the whole bucket and dumps the whole thing in their bag we come home there aren't even candy taken so uh, not a lot of people stop by so not spot. a lot of traffic and the ones who do come by are honest people yeah. you should feel good about your neighborhood that's why i live here <laughs> but no we so we head down to the neighborhood right next to us has a lot of our friends in it uh the ex-football coach and you know we make stop by his house say hi and so it's a whole family experience on on Halloween. Fun. I remember he used to, because uh, he invited our He always has ones. the best, le- I mean, he gives the best, can- everybody's ready to go to his house. He should. He made yeah. pretty good money. Well, I mean, he's dropping king-sized bars. <laughs> he's dropping all kinds of cool stuff. I heard he drives like a hay bale, like he gets his tractor out or something. He He'll takes drop- the kids around the neighborhood. If it gets too cold, he has a... Uh, like a covered golf cart that he'll give rides in. Like if people come up and they're shivering, he's like, all right, where do you need to go? And he'll give them, he'll tax him around, give them rides. I, you know, it, obviously we're talking about Mike McCarthy, who spent 13 years as the head coach here, and and you have always had a good relationship with. Um, when you when you do see him around the neighborhood, is he doing okay? 
Yeah, he's doing great. I, wouldn't, I don't think I could yeah, I live saw, here as the former Packers well, coach. Well, it's a, it's a cool place in the fall, which we've already been through, it seems like, already. But um, he, I saw him the other week, and he looked so great. It, I, he looked like he had energy, like he was healthy, and he, and he looked really good. And I chuckled because I said to him, I, I said, man, how are you doing, coach? And he goes, oh. I'm doing so great. I was nervous about football season, but it's nice to just relax yeah. and chill during football season, watch other teams play and not have to go through the grind. So, you know, I know he wants to get back into coaching, but he's enjoying that year. And I know exactly what he's saying because that's what my year was like last, last year. year. Right. And I experienced what it's like to not have anxiety in August and then September and then every single week and day after that until the season's over. So I talked to him the other day, too. On the phone, and the, you know he is does. Is that why you brought it up? Because no, 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 no. But no, because he's so great at Halloween. You just wanted no. to drop that you talked to him. No, but I, I, I wanted uh, something you said is what I wanted to ask, and that's why I wanted to drop that in because he says he's ready to get back in. He wants to coach next year. Oh yeah. But you just said something that I, I, I guess I don't, I didn't realize or I don't think about, which doesn't happen very often after as long as I've done this. So you, you feel anxiety. Like as a player and a coach, like all week. I mean, that doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, it's it, a lot of times it's not fun. A lot of times it can wow. be tough, and you got to find ways to make it fun. It's that anxiety breaks people down. It breaks players down. That's why you see some guys that you expected to be, you know, this tremendous player, and he might not be that tremendous player. And you see other guys who can handle that anxiety, can handle that daily pressure. And, and actually play better. It's, it's, it's one of those barriers. It's, it's one of those elements that you just add in to a guy's makeup that it, it either makes them or breaks them as a player and as a coach. Right. Well, I, you know, that the, so it was, so it would, it would, it, it would go this far. As soon as July 4th, as soon as I celebrated the July 4th weekend, yeah. I would, I would start getting like ready to go. I'd start getting nervous. I would, I would start, I was, that's the last big weekend before summer camp starts i know i got about two weeks left so now you're trying to what do i have to get done in these two weeks right maybe it's just maybe i need to watch a show that i haven't watched before watch like a to movie get your mind something. off football yeah what am i going to do for these last two weeks and it's like the last two weeks is over in a blink and you're just it is wild it's i'm telling you right after the fourth of july would hit i would get so it's almost like some, summer was already over and I couldn't enjoy the last two weeks. So it's obviously a, a mental game, right? It's a physical game, but it's a mental game. And, you know, you and Tausch and uh, you guys all talk about how the smartest players are the best players. But I guess I didn't think about the anxiety that comes with worrying about, do you know, the play, you know, the game plan and, and the matchup and everything that is adjusted from week to week. So then is there, like, some sort of big, like, air letting out of the balloon when the season's over, because usually for your career, Are you ended you with a playoff loss, Yeah, but also the anxiety probably went away. Yes and no. You would be bothered by the loss for some time, and it, it, it at least went until the team that you lost to either lost or finished the Super Bowl. In our case, a lot of the teams that we lost to ended up going to the Super Bowl and even winning a few. Right. So it was it, a, a lot of it was, was that, so you needed to get over that heartbreak but boy, when you have so the day after it's called the exit interviews, right? And it's okay. I'm going to come in. I don't have to work out on this Monday. I don't have to watch film. And and you always watch film, but you don't ever watch the last 
game of the year. Right. Just because you don't have to, so you take advantage of it. It's kind of like you. You should have taken the elevator today. You should have taken advantage. <laughs> but so you come in and you do your exit interviews. You air it out with coach. He either tells you you did as good as you thought you did or you didn't do as good as you or you did better. You get these exit interviews out of the way, and then you go home and you go, boy, I just have a, I have a clear two months right now where all I have to do is reset. Right, and decompress, you do, and it's and it's the greatest feeling in the world. Not losing, not not worrying about how that other team's going to do, but just the fact that you're like, I'm off for a while, and I can reset myself because that was a that was a death march right there right. to get through. And I don't and, and I don't mean death march like physically death march. It was emotional and mental. It was a hard right. hard it's a thing. strain. Yes, it's you look at it. It starts at the end of July, and it's until your season's over, and it's. Every single day. That's why they pay you guys so much. Well, we, you know, and don't get me wrong, we love it. We, we love every, we love right. every minute of it. But it is, it is a grind. So we're we're halfway through the season, uh, going into week nine here. Now this season's not as much quite the grind <laughs> as it can be. I mean, these seven and one seasons don't come around all that often, and they are in a sweet groove right now, where they have their Wednesday practices are kind of set there. It's a nice, easy mental day. Thursdays, they ramp it up a little bit. Fridays, they, they kind of pepper a little bit, and they, they're in a sweet little groove right now. And as you notice, that you, everybody thinks it's just the physical where these guys are getting hurt. But have you noticed the injuries this year? I mean, we have a couple, but it's not like that that laundry list of guys that we're used to seeing as contributors out every Sunday. Right. And I think a little bit of that has to do with the fact that it's an easier, it's not as much anxiety. Those things all play a part. There's not as much stress. Those things all play part in the overall makeup of a person's health. So you mentioned the, the groove that they're in, and... We talked a little bit about it with Matt LaFleur earlier in the week. This Wednesday schedule that he's instituted. Now, we used to give Mike McCarthy a hard time for the Friday schedule, footbath Friday, and with the massages no, and the stay. yoga. It's yes. stay oh, I, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's the technical term. Uh, soft tissue activation and adaptation or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but, you know, these Wednesday practices, these guys are out there. I had never seen... In my time covering this team, and that's Holmgren, Rhodes, Sherman, McCarthy, I'd never seen a, something that was being called a practice, not a walkthrough, a practice, where nobody's wearing helmets. No helmets, no spikes, tennis shoes, and let's let's get the mental side of this game down. And it's and and when it's working, it's a groove. It's a thing that guys are feeling, and so they come in on Wednesdays, and I'm sure that anxiety level is brought down quite right. a bit because they're right. like, well, I know how to get through this day. I know how to focus mentally and get my keys and get these plays and work on the techniques and my step on this and my and my route on this and my route adjustment and the audibles that Aaron's making. So it's they're in a groove. They're in a real nice groove. So Wednesday traditionally is when you install a good chunk of your game plan, though, right? Because then red zone is Friday and, what, third down and – Short yeah, it's, yardage it's, are usually on Thursday. Everybody does it a little different, but around the NFL, general rule of thumb is normal down and distance goes in on Wednesday and third down, and then Thursday is red zone, and then Friday is short yardage and goal line. Okay. Those are the installs, and you will pepper the normal down and distance stuff the whole way through the week, and you will pepper third down the whole way through the week because you'll see them every single drive. Right. So 
if they're not doing a full-fledged Wednesday practice, and, and for those that don't spend as much time around practices as, as we have, uh, Thursday's your busy, your heaviest day. So for them to take this light approach is paying big dividends in terms of their physical and maybe mental place, but they are still not practicing legitimately. Well, yeah, I mean, they are. there is a give and take, so there is a sacrifice, and the sacrifice is they don't get as many reps at full speed. But that's when you have to be professional and make sure, like I said, in this walkthrough, you're not just walking through. You're actually walking through and mentally taking the same number of steps mm. that you would need to take on a sluggo route or on a train route or on the bite route as a receiver or as a, as a running back. You take your good first step, get your shoulders turned like it's outside zone, but it's in, you know, you do those subtleties you that do matter. The keys still that matter, even though it's a walkthrough. So you, you mentioned a sluggo route which is slant and go, mm. and you have a running back who ran one of those in the game on Sunday night yep. for initially a 60-yard touchdown, mm. then just a 50-yard I game. think it was a touchdown. I think they <laughs> robbed him. You know, I think that's the one where you've seen enough guys running down the sideline with white spikes that the refs couldn't tell, so they just gave him the touchdown. And I think this was one where the refs were like, well, enough of these have gone this way. We're just going to say he stepped out. So what you were down on the sideline. I listened to you as I was driving to go do some TV after the game, and I listened to you and Wayne Larravee, and I think you got attacked in some way uh, <laughs> as the team went by or it something. Was, yeah, it was amazing. After the game, it was a, it was a sight. It, they, were, they were celebrating on the field. And I don't care if the Chiefs had six starters out. And I don't care if Patrick Mahomes was out. Mm -hmm. They still have weapons on the they still have yeah. their skill position group is still if not the best one of the best at least the fastest in the national football league they still have an incredible game planner and play caller in andy reed and they still have an incredible an incredible environment to play their home games although they've lost three games there this year now that's a tough place to win. That's a recipe for a difficult ball game, and you saw that. We got a great punch from Kansas City, and for these guys to stand in there and fight like that, they understood how big that game was, and not just the complexion of their season right now, but how big that game was in the moment. To get from 6-1 and one to 7-1 and one is absolutely huge because when you look at the NFC right now and you see a team like San Francisco at 7-0 and, and you see another team like the Saints at 7-1, and one, right. you have to at least keep pace. They were thrilled. They were ecstatic by what they had accomplished there on Sunday night. And I was on the field as the interviews were going on and normally I'd just comment about what I see or what I saw during the game. But what I saw after the game was fantastic. Guys hugging each other. Guys taking pictures together. And and our quarterback, for the first time in a long time, after a regular season game that didn't clinch a division or didn't clinch a first-round bye, looked about as happy as I'd ever seen him. And he came running over, and he gave me a big hug, and he said, Can you believe me? Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff that I couldn't get on air, and since it didn't get on air, I won't reveal what he said uh, exactly now. But, I mean, it was just it was great to see that raw emotion from these guys right after the game. So what were you most excited or impressed by in that game? I thought Aaron Jones was magnificent and it's fascinating to me to see the evolution of this player who goes from you know talented explosive athlete 
His first two years, though, don't think he can catch very well out of the backfield, don't think he can block very well in the backfield against pass rushers. And now not only is he a complete back, but he's a guy that when it's third and five and you want to put the game away and you've decided you're going to throw it and be aggressive, that Rodgers and Lafleur and Nathaniel Hackett and all those guys on the sideline are saying, let's go to Jonesy. Yeah, you know, I'm twofold on this. At one, I was on the sideline, and I just thought, all right, well, we are running at a good clip. Why wouldn't we run? We would ensure that the clock would go. We're seven points up, so, you know, tie ball game at the worst, but maybe our defense firms up if we don't get the first down. At the same time, put your best run out there, and I I think we could have gotten it anyways at third and five. After watching the play, though, and seeing the play that they had brought up, how they flexed Aaron out as the widest guy, put him in motion into a stack position that made some uncertainty or right. uncertainty about how the linebacker in the corner were going to play the two receivers. Right. It actually made the linebacker take an extra step back and give a little bit more space. Yep. It was an easy pitch and catch like that. And you have Aaron throwing a quick out to, to Aaron Jones. The only concern at that time is, do you feel like Aaron Jones can catch the pass? Because he's going to be wide open. After watching the play, that was the obvious answer. That's that's an answer that you have before you call the play because you've practiced it 100 times and you know the defense you're going to get because you did your scouting report and you game-planned it perfectly. And that's what they did. After watching the play, it was a no-brainer. It was like, yeah, if I'd have known that's the pass play they were calling, I would have absolutely called that play over a run as well. So he also had a 67-yard touchdown on a screen pass, which – as a guy who did a lot of blocking in your career, I'm sure you noticed the blocking that he got from Jimmy Graham, from David Bakhtiari, and from Corey Lindsley on the play. Um, how impressed were you, and just how good do you think Aaron Jones is at this point? You know, I, I will go to this. First, I, I, I have to give some credit to Matt LaFleur with how he has moved these guys around and, and changed where they line up and put them in motion, and he has kept defenses on their heels for this last month of the season. He really has, and he hasn't had Devontae Adams. Right. So, you know, we said a while ago, if your best player is out, who's your next best player? And we said Aaron Jones. Well, he is. he's really used Aaron Jones as much as a receiver as he has a running back. With the jet, the number of jet sweeps that we've seen out of him and Jamal Williams, and lining him up, throwing screen, throwing quick receiver screens to him, mm-hmm. you know, putting him in motion, letting him run a five yard out. Do you know who else kind of does that? Sean Payton and Alvin Kamara. Right. They've done that for a few years, and they've kind of they, they, they've kind of put out a blueprint how if you have a dynamic player who can do things in space, get him the ball in space. Don't don't make it so that you have to give him the ball directly from the backfield. And I think they're taking – now, I'm not saying he's Alvin Kamara, but I'm saying he can do things like Alvin okay. Kamara. And, and that's what we're seeing when given the opportunity and the creativity from Matt LaFleur. So you mentioned Devontae Adams. Uh, as of this recording of the Kuhn podcast, we don't know for certain – if he's going to play, but he did talk on Wednesday, and he talked very confidently. He sounded like a guy who is going to play. He basically said, you know, I have to get the final word from the doctors, but he's certainly sounding like a guy who expects to play. If that happens, and again, we don't know for certain, if that happens, though, how different is this offense, and is there anything 
to the I don't want to say challenge even, but the just reintegrating him into the offense after what we've seen from the offense during these four weeks. Well, to me, there's there's a couple things that are really interesting about this. Number one, when you look at his injury as a wide receiver, you, you want him to come back at. 100%. You don't want them to come back before 100%. Right. But you've seen guys who, if their team struggles, will come back before they're 100% because they recognize they have to come back. Now, the Packers have gone 4-0 without right. him. So you would think on one hand, when you first look at it, wow, they have given him the luxury to sit back and wait and, and be absolutely right. certain. Not and, rush. And, and maybe wait an extra week than what he even has to because, heck, why not? We're 7-1. and one. On the other hand, you can't help but look at this and think the competitor within a guy who is that good, and I'm talking about top five at your position, the competitiveness that these guys have at each one of these positions, they want to be out there. And when they see their team having success, yes, they're happy. Yes, they're excited. But darn it, why aren't they out there having that same success? So I wonder in my mind, and I hope – that Aaron, or that Devontae is at 100% if he plays this week, and it's not he's just getting the itch because everybody else, they're out there scoring 31 points a game without me. Right. I need to get back out there and do that. So that's one. Number two, this offense has blossomed in the second month of the season, the second quarter of the season as we call it. And is it because with Devontae Adams being out, that we had to get more creative and that we had to find more ways because Matt LaFleur has definitely done that. Right. Or has it, or has it been that the first month of the season really is just the preseason now because these guys don't play in the preseason. And this was the natural evolution that his offense was going to have with or without Devontae. Second month in, because it's being run by the guys who are expected to run. Yeah, because they missed the first, they missed the preseason. So the first month of the regular season is the preseason, and now this is what we could have expected to see, even if Devontae never got hurt. And I think it's probably going to be the latter. And when Devontae comes back, it's not a hey, we need to get Devontae eleven targets in this game, like we were saying before Philadelphia. Right. It's going to be, hey, Devontae's going to get 11 targets a game, and he's just going to get them from this, that, and this, which is already in the playbook. What do you make of how involved the running backs have been in the past game? And is that somewhat out of necessity of Devontae not being in there, and now does that change? Because, look, you know, I covered your entire career, and you got a lot of – you caught the ball, you did short yardage stuff – I don't remember. What else? I'm liking the compliments. But blocked, you said I, I blocked okay, very well. Okay, I blocked. Okay, um, <laughs> caught the ball. Knew the offense as well <laughs> as the quarterback. <laughs> uh, very handsome fellow. Well, quite the physique. Where do I stop? Yeah, um, okay, you're good now. You're good. <laughs> what? But what about this offense is so different than Mike McCarthy's because we did not see this. And and the play that I always point to is there was the play in the Oakland game where. Danny Vitale, I think we, in fact, even talked about it on the show last week, the the podcast this week, um, where Danny Vitale looks like he's lead blocking for Aaron Jones. He keeps right on running, and it's a pass play, and here comes Aaron Jones into the hole to block the guy that you expected him to block. I'm glad you bring that up, because that's in every team's playbook. That's a keep pass. Yeah, that's, it's, Simply put, that's in every team's playbook. And they just they just practiced it. 
They don't usually and, throw it to the fullback, they, though, do they? Oh, yeah. The fullback's the number one target. Really? Just, he might not run the, the the little rail route that Danny ran okay. after he faked the blocker. A lot of people, you bluff and go to the flat, or you bluff and run a seam, which maybe Danny was running a seam. It was a little wide for a seam if it was, but right. he still caught the ball and made a heck of a game. Um but that's, I mean, that's what the teams do. They normally, when they run the keep pass, it's the keep pass and he runs a seam or a keep pass runs a flat. Okay. I mean, I can remember running that down in down in New Orleans, and I can remember running that here for uh, for a touchdown in a playoff game one time. But every team has that in their playbooks. But what's beautiful is Matt LaFleur is calling them all. And that's that's generally a play that is going to once or twice a year out of out of regular teams. But the way these things are working right now with Matt, I can see that happening, you know, Within the next month, that, that that play will probably get called again. So, they are using their running backs though more in the pass game than traditionally. I mean, you know, I heard Aaron Rodgers say it after the game a couple weeks ago. Why are they so effective? Well, his response was most defenses expect running backs to run a route that's five yards or less, and obviously that has not been the case in this system. Yes, uh, that's part of it. N- number two, when Devontae Adams goes out. And now you're matching the number one corner for these teams against MVS, and you're matching the number two corner against Geronimo, or however it works out. Those are those are, I'm not going to say favorable matchups, but those are matchups that are more um, contested. You know, they got their best corner on on MVS instead of on Devonte. Where if Devonte's out there, we have a, a clear advantage there. When you split those running backs out, when you run them, they're running these routes on linebackers right and if these guys have any semblance or ability like a wide receiver which we're seeing out of aaron jones his ability to run past these guys and then they can catch a difficult contested ball like we saw with jamal williams in the corner of the end zone if they can do these things their matchups are far more favorable than the matchups we're getting at the wide receiver position at this moment. Because the, the corners are closer in, in speed and ability. Okay. Exactly. Uh, let's look ahead to, and I almost called it San Diego again, Los Angeles and the, and the Chargers. I mean, you can call it San Diego. They don't really have a home. I yeah. mean, Los Angeles is, is <laughs> Not home Oakland. either. Los Angeles is, is still 60% Oakland fans and 40% Rams fans. I mean, the Rams can't even sell out uh, right. their place. They, they played the other week against San Francisco, and, and San Francisco took over the stadium. So you've, you've played in so many road games where Packers fans took over the place. Um, Matt LaFleur even recalled the 2016 game that the Packers played in Atlanta early in the season. I know you were in New Orleans by then, but that the how they took over the Georgia Dome, and here his quarterback has to go with a silent count. What is it going to be like in this little baby stadium with, I don't know, it's 30,000 people, 25, 26,000 of them being green and gold this clad is, fans. This is going to be fantastic because I said this a while ago. I think the Packers are going to have a ninth home game this weekend at 80 degrees it, when, when it's snowing here. So this, right. is, this is fantastic for the guys. And so I've played in a lot of games, yes, where the Packer fans have taken over. This stadium is cool. I've played at the stadium twice now. Oh, this, really? Yeah, the stadium's pretty neat. And it's, it's, I think it maxes out at 40,000 people. And I would, I would bet 75% of them will be Green Bay Packer fans for this game. In fact, I would challenge Green Bay Packer fans to, to be more than that because I think they could be even more than that. And with that said, it's, it's kind of a quaint stadium. So you can really feel that crowd 
if it's if there's a lot of people there. Really? Even though it's only 40,000, it's close it's close for confines. It's built like a soccer stadium. It's not it's not wide open. It's kind of cut it's got a little roof to it and stuff. So it can get loud there. So this will be a really neat atmosphere. This is I think this is going to be a really unique experience for um the Packers and and for the NFL to see really uh how the Packer fans travel. Yeah, if I was a Chargers season ticket holder and I could get 3 or 4 times the face value for my ticket, I would pass on this one and sell it too to some guy coming in from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, I think. Um, so what's the what when you look at this game, and again, you guys went go through this every year, there are um, common opponents and uncommon opponents, and obviously you don't see the Chargers very often. You played them in two thousand eleven out there at Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego. What do you when you were breaking down this game and getting ready for what what do you see as maybe the most important either matchup or thing to watch that's really going to decide this one. Well, we, we got to block Joey Bosa. We can't let him wreck the game, and he's done that in a couple games. That well, this Charger team, as I look at them, they kind of remind me of the 2008 Packers when we went six and ten, but every single game was within one score. Right. That's what they have done so far. Every single one of their games has gone down to the last drive, and you know what that means. You know they can't quite finish, but they're playing every team tough. And this, when Vegas has it at a three-point game, there's a saying out there that I heard, and I love it. It says there's not enough lakes in Las Vegas for something this fishy. So they know <laughs> something. They know something. And I think all they really know is this Chargers team is not a 3-5 and five team. They're a team with the ability to be 4-4, four and 5-3, four, and three, or even 6-2, and two, something to that nature. Because when you look at their weapons, they still have weapons on the offensive side. Their top two receivers are pretty darn good. They got another good tight end. We keep saying every week, man, we got to face this tight end again. Right. We got to face this tight end. They have two running backs. They were averaging over 120 yards rushing a game until Melvin Gordon decided to come back. And now they're averaging like 45 rushing yards a game, which how does that happen? I think there's been some sort of they're not in sync with that. They don't know how to shuffle him and Austin Eckler around right. uh, properly. But Austin Eckler. He, he can do what Aaron Jones does now. I mean, he has 55 receptions from the backfield. So to me, when you point out the number one matchup, to me, it's it's going to be Austin Eckler. Who are we putting on him? Right. Because are we putting Blake Martinez or B.J. Goodson on him? It's not a gonna, good matchup. Are we going to put a safety on him? Right. You know, it, it, maybe. I, I'm not quite sure. So I'm anxious to see how they match up with Austin Eckler. I think he's the wild card, the joker for uh, for the offensive side of the Chargers. On the defensive side, it's clearly Joey Bosa. So a couple of weeks ago, you asked a question of Rodgers at his locker about trap games, and he gave you grief about it. And he said, you, you, you and I, we used to make fun of people when they asked that question. This feels like a game where if you're not showing up to play and you're looking at their record and you're thinking, hey, we get to play a home game in sunny California, that this – feels like a game that if you're a player who doesn't take it seriously enough, you could be in an actual trap. This this is so unfair. Why, when I brought up trap game, I got laughed out of the locker you sh- room? I, you shouldn't have. You I sh- got laughed. I thought because that was, the quarterback gave you a hard time. Yeah, but that was the rest tra- of us listen, didn't. That was a trap game, a home, a home game against a team that's struggling with a struggling quarterback. That right. was a trap that game. Was Denver, that was Denver that you yeah. asked about. And and they played us tough. Right. They played us a lot tougher than a lot of people thought. I don't think this is a trap game because number one, they are in such a rhythm right now, and I think they are they are in when you get in a good rhythm, you really do. I know it's cliche to say take it one game at a time. 
but sometimes you're not in that rhythm and you're just telling yourself, take it one game at a time because you, you want to get in that rhythm. They are actually in the rhythm. So that proves they are taking it one game at a time, flushing the last week and starting and hitting a re- the reset button. And I do think that, you know, that game was uh, against Joe Flacco, perfectly fine veteran who's had a, who's had a great career. He's but this is, this is Philip Rivers. Okay, right. this is Philip Rivers, and again, this is Joey Bosa, and this is uh, you know Austin Eckler, the playoff team. And yeah, it, this is the twelve and four team from last year. So this is, I mean, this is a team that is going to catch their attention. And when you get out to L.A. and you see the big lights and the big city and all the people walking, it, it's going to be. This is not it, to me. This is not a trap game, but it's still a formidable opponent. All right, last thing so you can get out trick or treating. The team had its annual Halloween party. And when I first started covering this team, there wasn't social media, so we didn't get as many glimpses into the Halloween party. But I know Mercedes Lewis posted a photo of uh, Brian Bulaga and his wife, who went as Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick. Uh, We know Jimmy Graham shared the pictures of him as Aaron Judge and Nate Weir, one of the athletic trainers, as Jose Altuve. They did a great job. Um, from your time as a player, do you is there either one of your own costumes that you're most proud of, or was there one that one year just everyone was like, oh, my God, this is the best costume at the party? Bah. I can't really, you know, I, I can't really recall a lot uh, from Halloween parties. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but, but we, the, the Halloween Don't parties, the Halloween why. parties were always a lot of fun because that was always one night. And, th- you know, this was good for them. Um, they did it on a Monday night. But it's, it, it, it is one of those things where, you know, how is the week going to unfold? They, they did it on their Monday night, knowing that they had Tuesday off. So that was great for right. them. We always tried to do it on Halloween, which tonight it would be like torture and you'd right. have to go home early. Yeah, go to work like tomorrow that. and practice. So I, so I applaud them for how they scheduled their, uh, for how they scheduled their party and, and everything like that. I don't know. We had some great ones. I, I remember the linemen were always great because they'd always do tandem stuff. Josh and TJ, you know, they'd be. Oh, I bet those you know, two. Yeah, they'd always be some sort of partner. Uh, in crime, I, I think the one the the one I really remember was when they came as the Anchorman crew, and oh, the whole offensive line did. Mo- yeah, most of the guys on the offensive line, you know, they came as 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 all of as the whole crew. That crew that went out and had that fight in the parking lot. <laughs> that was the crew that came into our party. So that that was a great one. I I loved that one. Um, yeah, I don't know who Rogers was. I saw him in a picture. I, I, I didn't get the reference. So. so let me ask you, who are you going as this year? I'm not going as anybody. I'm going, I'm bundling up and taking the girls out. So you're going to, no, so you're not, so, so your wife's going to stay home and do the candy. Yes. But you're not going to dress up. Dude, it's like 35 degrees and snowy out there. I'm going to wear like moon boots and a big parka. Uh, see, you got to put something on. Now, okay, so I gave my buddy, uh, down in New Orleans some grief earlier today because he said it's so cold cam jordan he said it's so cold i don't even I, hopefully i can just talk to kids into dressing up and going to see a movie i looked up the weather it's 55 degrees down there. <laughs> I, I did trick-or-treat down there for a few years 
and it was uh, it was amazing. You, you you walk around, your drink doesn't freeze. Right. You know the kids are having a blast. They can wear almost any costume without getting cold. And I just sent them a picture of the snow, and I said, "Hey, it, it, it's it's far worse in other places." Suck it up <laughs> you, and take your you put kids, your cold Cam. gear on and get out there, Cam. Well, that'll do it for our Halloween edition of the John Coon podcast. Four of them in the books. You want to do it again next week? Yeah, why not? All right, we'll see if it fits into your schedule. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's the John Coon Podcast.